and welcome to I Screen, the podcast. I am your host, Kira Hamilton, and today marks the eighth episode of this podcast. Before I start, I'm going to tell you that there may be a little background noise because I'm at in the car at my sister's soccer game, so just keep that in mind, and I apologize in advance. Um, now, the case that I have for today, um, it took me a while to do the research for this because it was scattered like all over the place. There are websites that only had like a paragraph about it, then websites that had like two paragraphs about it, and then I had to watch um, a couple of videos too because um, I couldn't find a lot of information on credible websites. So it took me a while, and I was planning to film this the day before so that I wouldn't have to do it now, but here we are. And this case is, to describe it, very weird and unsettling. It's got some sort of paranormal tie-ins as well, so it's a murder, paranormal sort of case. And I don't know, I just think it's really weird, and once I finish, I'll tell you my Instagram, because I want to know your thoughts on it, because I don't really know how I feel about it, because it's just so, like, weird, and it doesn't make much sense, like, in real-world terms. But let me stop talking about it and just go ahead and get into the case of the Los Feliz murder man it mansion murder mansion and i'm not sure if that's pronounced los Feliz or los Feliz, um but i'm gonna call it los Feliz murder mansion so this case all begins with the harrelson family and the father of this family is harold harrelson he is a prominent surgeon specializing in cardiothoracic which is the heart lungs esophagus and other organs on the chest and also allergies he marries a woman named Lillian, and together they have three children, Judy, the oldest, Joseph, their middle child, and their youngest, Debbie. To everybody on the outside, they were perceived as a picture-perfect family. Lily was described as a loving mother and a caring wife. They had great kids, and Harold was well-respected in the medical field. In fact, he had gained notable success after inventing a new type of syringe, and he had written one of the most respected medical reports of all time. And he was a well-respected medical keynote speaker and conferences all across the country. To everyone else, they appeared to have it all. A successful father, loving mother, three beautiful children, and a big, beautiful mansion in wealthy Los Feliz, Los Angeles, California. But on December 6, 1959, at 4.30 in the morning, all of that would change. Harold awoke to strike his sleeping wife on the head with a hammer. He would then leave her to die from bleeding out. After this, he would go into the bedroom of his oldest daughter, Judy, to attempt to do the exact same thing and strike her over the head with the same hammer. However, Judy was able to move her hand and almost cushion the impact of the blows of the hammer. While she was able to cushion some of the blow, the hammer still made contact with her head, managing to disorient her, leaving her to stumble back and to continue fighting off her father. Judy was screaming for her father not to kill her as he was telling her to lay still and keep quiet. Luckily, her screams managed to wake up her neighbors and her siblings. At this point, Judy decides to lay still and play dead in an attempt to get her father to stop. Suddenly, Debbie, their youngest daughter, walks into the hall. Now, Harold thinks Judy has already passed or is in the process of doing so, so he goes out into the hallway to find his youngest daughter, Debbie, and for some reason, Harold did not attempt to kill Debbie. Now, some people think that maybe he was going to, like, escort her back to her room, let her fall back asleep, and then kill her in her sleep, but a lot of other people think that he was only attempting to kill his wife and his oldest daughter and was going to leave his two youngest children alive, 
and possibly kill himself. Actually, not possibly. He was going to kill himself. But that doesn't make any sense to me why he would not kill Debbie if he was going to kill his wife and his oldest daughter and himself. Like, why not kill your other children? Like, all that's going to do is either send them to live with relative or send them into foster care. And I feel like as a father, that's not what you'd want to happen to your kids. But he's clearly not in the right mind. So instead of trying to murder Debbie, he comforts her and walks her back to her room and attempts to assure her this was all a bad dream. It was just a nightmare. Head back to sleep. During this time, Judy manages to pull herself together and run to a neighbor's house. Already the neighbors were awake due to Judy's screams, so they answered the door very quickly. Upon doing so, they saw that Judy was covered in blood. Immediately they called the immediately they called the police and an ambulance and just tried to get their first responders there as quick as possible. At this time, it seems Harold had realized all that was about to transpire. He was going to get arrested, he was going to go to trial, and he was going to go to jail. And his other children were probably going to resent him. But before the ambulance could even get there, he had taken a bunch of pills. Now keep in mind, he is a surgeon, so he knows the exact amount to take to end his life. Before they could arrive, Harold had passed away. Judy was rushed to the hospital immediately with a fractured skull and extreme bruising. Luckily, she would survive. Even stranger, on Harold's nightstand lay his book, open to the last page he had read. The page read, quote, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within the dark forest. For the straightward path, pathway had been lost, end quote. Which, you could interpret that a lot of different ways, but I personally interpret that as like... You're going through a sort of midlife crisis. Something's happening, and now you don't really know where you're going. It's sort of like maybe you hit a crossroads, or maybe um, you are in some sort of financial troubles, which will come into play later. Um, but basically, it's kind of saying that whoever this person is in this book, which I could not find what book this was specifically, um, they are sort of lost. They don't know where they're going anymore. And it's eerie because it sort of seems like that's what was happening to Harold. It seems like he had lost his path, sort of making him murder his wife and attempt to murder his eldest daughter and kill himself. But still, that doesn't make sense because it seems like they're, they've got a picture-perfect family. I mean, a, a job as a surgeon, that's a high-paying job. He's invented something, and he is well respected it seems like this murder came from nowhere it seems like it has no reason it just doesn't make sense let's continue um the investigation into the events that morning was pretty straightforward it was very evident to authorities based on the statements of the children based on the crime scene and the statements of the neighbors that harold had killed his wife attempted to kill his eldest daughter and then killed himself However, what was very confusing to everyone involved was why. What on earth was his motive? That night, leading up to everything they had transpired, everything was so normal. They had dinner together. They casually went to bed. What in the hours of sleep led him to do such horrific acts and to kill his wife? It just didn't make sense. Everybody on the outside especially was confused by what would lead as a seemingly perfect family to have such a tragedy. 
Herod was known as a well-mannered man, obviously a successful man, but one thing that came forward was it seemed that he had financial troubles. Remember how I mentioned that new syringe that Harold had created? Well, it turned out he had actually used a lot of his own money, his family's money, to create the syringe. He had also trusted a business partner, but it came forward that this business partner that he had paired with over verbal agreement, so there was no like contract or anything, which probably would have saved him from this, but he screwed him out of the rights of his own creation. So after a bit of legal battle ensued, he ended up getting only $20,000, which was really disheartening because it was said that he had put that, if not more, into making this invention. And generally, when you make an invention, you want to get profit. Not generally. Always, when you make an invention, you want to get profit. Profit. This, coupled with a car accident involving Judy and the younger kids, put him in deeper and deeper financial despair. It seemed as though this perfect, successful doctor was actually in deep financial trouble. In fact, when the police did a routine search of Judy's car, they found a letter written to her aunt, and it read, quote, we are on the merry-go-round again. Some problems, same worries, only tenfold. My parents are in a bind financially, end quote. And it basically continues to talk about how she's looking for a job to help her family through this financial crisis, which is like only more like, why would her father attempt to murder her? She was trying to help the family out. Um, lots of people think because the younger kids didn't really know about the financial troubles, it was really only Judy and Lillian and Harold so people think that maybe he was killing the three people that knew about this and leaving the other people that didn't because he didn't want to leave a stain on his family, which obviously is not correct way of thinking because murdering your family or finding a murder definitely leaves a big stain on your family. So I don't really get it. So, But these findings led people to also believe that Harold had maybe snapped under a great deal of financial pressure. Maybe with everything going on, he had just lost it. Some people believe that he thought killing his wife and oldest daughter and himself would be better than having to live through the financial troubles that were coming. Although there are plenty of people, sort of including myself, um, that think this just makes zero sense. And how would any of this line up? He was letting his other kids live. Like, what was the point? Why not just kill your whole family? It was said that all of his children after this were sent to live with relatives where they'd have their names changed and identities protected so they didn't have any association with the horrific events that transpired, which everybody could completely understand. You don't want kids teasing you because kids kids will tease on anything. I know from personal experience. <laughs> like the weirdest things kids will tease on. And it seems like something you don't want to tease on, but you also don't want that following you your whole life. And... Maybe as when they become adults, I mean they're probably they've probably been past adults at this point. But when they came, when they were to come of a adult age, then they could decide whether or not they wanted to come forward and talk about their experience. But nothing like that ever happened. Um, since that fateful night, even with new owners, the mansion has stood empty, and the family's belongings have remained untouched for over fifty years, which is crazy because it's got new owners and all this stuff is in there but they haven't like taken it out or tried to like renovate it or anything like that so the mansion became a sort of disturbing time capsule of the murders that took place a seemingly unmotivated crime in a quiet residential neighborhood now there is a rumor that another family attempted to rent the property after everything happened and that they fled it on the anniversary for unknown reasons however this isn't confirmed we don't know that this happened but 
when we get into the paranormal stuff, this could be possible. In 1960, the mansion was sold to a couple who didn't even intend to live in it. It was said they only used the property as a storage site, it seemed. Maybe they were living in it, like, secretly? Who knows? But it seemed that they only used it for storage. They were said to have been seen bringing items in and occasionally taking items out, but they never moved in. Which, to me, seems like a total waste of 5,050 square feet. Like, really, (laughs) y'all? It's a huge house, and all you can use it for is storage. I'm pretty sure you can buy a storage unit for much less. That is not got a lot of other people's stuff in there that has been sitting there for a while. In 1994, their son Rudy inherited the home and, like his parents, only used the home for storage purposes, which, again, total waste. The property was declining, the home was just sitting there, and the neighbors began to complain. They claimed it was becoming a spot for squatters, trespassers, and trouble was happening there, and a lot of kids would go there, like, interested in the paranormal side. And one way or another, it was all sort of bad. Like, this house was not doing good. And considering it was in a wealthy area, so people probably wanted to look nice. And others lived nearby. So it was clear why people felt this way. Not to mention, all of these claims were true. Many people would go there interested interested in the paranormal side of things. Ghost hunters would even go there. Even squatters, children that would tell ghost stories, and vandalizers. One thing they all had in common, which is, this is where the paranormal side comes into play is that they all had terrifying experiences in the home even just roaming outside the house plenty of people hear whispers voices screams moans people hear the sounds of a woman screaming and a woman specifically screaming no followed by an unsettling silence there's also a male voice that is said to moan or act as if he is in despair and that too winds up followed by silence People see faces staring at them from outside the windows, and more specifically, the face of a woman. When people attempt to get this on camera, it either doesn't show up or completely stops. People claim to go there and feel overwhelming feelings of dread. Some people feel fear that something horrible is about to happen, followed by the screams of a woman. Overall, the entire house has such an eerie feeling, which is crazy because back before all this happened, this was a beautiful mansion housed in a wealthy place, and it just seemed perfect. Um, I also did some research into sort of, like, I don't really, like, look crazy into the paranormal. I like to listen to, like, paranormal stories, like the story of Slenderman or something like that. It's just interesting for me to hear. But I sort of looked into some YouTubers. Um, there's one called Haley Reese. Um, and she, like, had a lot of paranormal experiences with her family when she was younger. But she knows a lot about the paranormal. So I watched a couple of her videos to kind of see what what causes, like, ghost hauntings and things. And something that she said was that um, a lot of the times when places are haunted, it's because of, like, some sort of, like, fast, like, unexpected death, like murder or a car crash. Because maybe the ghost, the people don't know that they're dead and aren't able to pass to the other side. I'm not completely sure what that means. I think I know what it means, but if you have a better understanding of this, you could tell me. But that's just what I got from a lot of watching a lot of her videos. Um, but pretty much, it makes sense to people who are more familiar with the paranormal side that this specific house is haunted. And to be honest with you, it makes sense why ghost hunters and kids are going there because it seems like the perfect place to tell scary ghost stories and get that, like, scary thrill that lots of kids like to get. 
After Rudy's passing, which is the guy who owned the house last, a couple bought the home for about $2.3 million in July of 2016, which is like why also a lot of people think that it was probably a waste because I'm pretty sure the house probably cost more than because it was much nicer. Um, though it needed a lot of major, major renovations, as I said before, because we were talking about how the house is like run down and a good place for squatters. And in 2019, the house was actually listed for $3.5 million, claiming it had been taken down to the studs, but it couldn't be customized the way that the couple wanted. So they were forced to put it on the market. It remains one of the most haunted places in Los Angeles and remains for sale today. So if you guys want to buy a $3.5 million list Feliz murder mansion, go do it. No, I'm kidding. Please don't. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much all for the story. Um, I still don't really think it makes sense, like, why this would happen, you know? Like, it seems like he had no motivation other than some sort of financial troubles. But then again, it seems like he probably had some sort of underlying mental health issues because most normal people, when they're in financial trouble, aren't like, oh, okay, I'm going to go off and bludgeon my wife in a hammer, try to kill my oldest daughter, and then I'm going to kill myself. Like, most people in financial troubles, um, maybe they get, like, a stain on their reputation or whatnot, but... Generally, that's not the biggest deal. And it's not a big enough deal for you to try to murder basically half of your family. So, I just, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, maybe the financial troubles contrib contributed to it. But I think that he definitely probably had some mental health issues that led him to murder his family for seemingly no reason. Because financial troubles doesn't seem like the biggest thing. Like, most of the time when people murder people, it's for money. Or it's for maybe interest in doing it or a like for it. But Harold didn't have anything like this. Like, he didn't have any trauma as a child. I really, really looked. But from my understanding, um, Harold didn't have any sort of trauma as a child that would lead him to murder his family. So, I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me. You should, if you have any thoughts, you can give them to me on my Instagram. Just DM me. Um, the Instagram account is at icecream underscore podcast. So go follow me there. Go DM me there. Give me your thoughts because I am honestly, truthfully, thoroughly confused. Um, and I just don't get it, um, which I thought, which is why I thought it was interesting and why I wanted to share it with you because, I don't know, I need the endpoint put of other people because it doesn't make sense like in past cases like the teacup murderer like Graham Young he had trauma as a kid he had things as a kid that led him to be the way he did BTK same thing every single murderer serial killer we know has had some sort of trauma in their life like when they were younger to have led them to do these sort of things but I really looked hard and I could not find much about Harold's younger life but it seemed pretty normal from my perspective if you can find anything else please let me know because i'd be very very interested to see but that is all for today's episode let me know if you have any suggestions for cases i should do if you want me to do some more paranormal stuff like ghosts and aliens and bigfoot i wanted to do an episode on the mothman because i thought that was really interesting so let me know on my Instagram, if that's something that you'd be interested in, I'd be glad to do it. 
I really enjoy having these podcasts. And again, I will apologize because my mom did leave the car to go to my sister's soccer game. And there was garage noise. I mean, garage trunk noises, like the trunk opening and then the door opening and shutting. So I'm sorry for that. Maybe my microphone like blacked it out, but this is not the highest quality microphone if you haven't been able to tell. (laughs) But anyways, that's all for today's episode. I will see you next time on Ice Cream.